Brown, who is the founder of Horizon, which is a theatre company that gives a stage and a voice to black and Afro-Caribbean actors here in London. And um, yeah, really appreciated uh, Sharina's energy and, um, and her wit. And she, I think it was a really lovely chat because we were able to touch on, I think, how how we take for granted certain ways that we view the world and consume the world in everything from, from Hollywood and film and theater to public policy and um, the yeah, drug policy. And we talked a bit about um, just generally the judicial system. And I think it was a really nice way to tie in collectively what we're doing with the work, with the brave and good work that she's doing with Horizon. Um, and I thought it was, it was um, beautiful to see... Um, some someone who had been a barrister for 20 years and who's a mother of three children uh, to take on a project like this and to just understand the importance of it and just run with it and uh, and that I think we that, that that shows a lot of courage So, so Sharina, is, um, you run an organization called Horizon. Is yeah, it, it's right? Orison. Orison. But I always mispronounce it because it is Yoruba. It's a Yoruba word. Ah, which is Nigerian. Nigerian. Yes. And I'm not Nigerian, at least um, maybe sometime back in my ancestry, probably. So I always mispronounce it, and I pronounce it as Orison, but it's Orison. 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 Yeah. Quite like French, like a French. Yeah, song. there's there's an accent on the I, and I, maybe that's. So the emphasis should be we, and then the last the last syllable kind of disappears. Is it not? Yes. Okay. And it's a theatre company. It's a theatre right? company. Yes. Yes. And what, tell us a little bit about it because when we met, I just I remember I remember thinking, wow, oh, that's amazing. She's a she's a lawyer, but she's <laughs> <laughs> and a mother and multiple children running around, and, yeah. and then also now you've started this. Company, yeah. yeah, so um, how does a lawyer get interested in <laughs> Well, I, I think I think it's the other way around. Well, I know it's the other way around yeah. because when you know, I very much was a sort of singing, dancing, performing child, but growing up in a, a working class Caribbean household where you know um, there was an emphasis on education. Mm-hmm. And so it was never going to be a thing that I go and sing and dance and perhaps pretend to be somebody else for a living. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's where the law came in. It was, you know, it was quite prestigious in you know, Caribbean families to either be a lawyer or a doctor. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and I had the gift of the gab for other mm-hmm. chat a lot. <laughs> I was called Chatterbox. And so, would, you know, I was a bit of a storyteller, a persuader, and that's essentially what a lawyer is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's how I got into the law. But so, you know, getting into law put on the back burner my initial sort of, I, I don't really want to call it a passion, but I guess it is because I think that word is, is often misused, mm. overused. Overused, yeah. Um, mm. But I, I think that's probably accurate. That's really what I wanted to do. I just dreamt about it, you know. I mean, literally, I wanted it to be, I wanted to be Irene Cara from <laughs> in yeah. fame. So law put that on the back burner for a very long time, actually. So it was, you know, it was 23 years this year I'm a, I've been a barrister. Wow. 
and I took up acting about three years ago. Okay. So, oh, wow. so I, I, I literally sort of fell back into it. Um, I thought it would be a good way to um, help me teach other barristers advocacy skills because that's one of the things that I used to do. I used to train junior barristers on how to, um, on public speaking in courtrooms, effectively. Okay. And I thought... Um, so you were, training them, you were training them how to more effectively convince someone? Yeah, to, yeah of a judge or a jury. Mm. And I thought um, doing an acting course, a short acting course, would help me help, me, help them. And then I thought, mm, actually, this, I'm, I'm quite <laughs> enjoying this. <laughs> Your subconscious is kind of like... Yeah, yeah did you trick yourself, maybe? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. I completely tricked, you know, because I was, I was... I suppose part of me was pretending that I didn't really want to do it and that the, the reason I'm doing this is to help my students. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but my subconscious yeah, yeah, had other plans and did a hijack. And, yeah, that's, and, and that's how it all started. That's amazing. Do you think you, like... Do you think that there, you, you, did you have some thoughts that, you know what, actually, like, I, I did have this thing that I liked and I wanted to do a long time ago, and, or had you, where, where, where was your relationship with acting at that point, because been, you said 23 years yeah, by then. Yeah, I mean, I think I, yeah, I think I'd sort of forgotten about it, and had convinced myself, as I suppose a lot of us do when we get on this sort of earning treadmill, mm. career treadmill, you know, and um, I was earning a good living as a barrister. And, and then you get all the trappings associated mm. with, with that. You know, you get the car, the house, and the mortgage, and whatever. And, and there's very little time to actually pause and think, you know, is this still what I want to do? Mm. And actually, the pause that came along was my third child. I mean, I had, you know, child number three came along, and he's learning disabled. And I couldn't do this full-time, high-flying, criminal advocate career anymore he mm. needed he mm. needed my attention so I couldn't give full attention to both so I stopped being a full-time barrister mm. and, and I was a full-time mother for um, probably sort of six to seven years but still dabbled in law mm. Um, mm. but nowhere near as in you know at the same level or intensity as I did before he was born and that actually gave me the space and the time to think about whether I really wanted to get back into that, whether I was really happy, actually. Right, right. you had the space that. to just reflect yeah. and say, actually... And I realised I wasn't mm. happy. I mean, I, 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 there was aspects of um, being a criminal barrister that I enjoyed, don't get me wrong, and, um, and I did feel um, fulfilment to a certain extent, but I wasn't truly happy doing it. Was, was there something that you could look at specifically and say, was there a moment where you said... Oh yeah, that thing. I remember that thing. Actually, that sucked. Oh. Yeah, yeah, there was actually. I was pregnant with um, my third child, and I was doing this trial up in Manchester. So I was heavily pregnant, away from home. I was feeling a bit sorry for myself, mm. and I was quite sick with the pregnancy as well. Mm. And I was defending a young man who, at the time, was I think he was he was about fifteen or sixteen, and he was facing uh, life imprisonment, mm. and he was convicted as he was going to be because the evidence was overwhelming and there came a time when I had to go to his mother who was the same age as me and tell her that the next time her son would be three was would be about when he was 34 mm-hmm. and I couldn't do it mm-hmm. <laughs> you know I had to I had to go to the loo I had a moment with myself where I cried 
mm-hmm. and and then sort of sort my, sorted myself out and came and spoke to the solicitor and said, you know, could you speak to her with me? Mm-hmm. And I just didn't want to do the job anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I felt very strongly that I was in the, the wrong part of the criminal justice system. By the time young men came to me, it was far too late. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I wanted to be involved at a, a different level or a different stage. But I just didn't want to have anything else to do with this. <laughs> and that was the moment. That was the moment when I thought... I'm going to do something else. Mm-hmm. And, and even though um, after I had Amari um, and he had learning difficulties, he's got learning difficulties, I still was doing law, but I didn't go back to crime. I did employment law. Mm. Right. right. Um, I just didn't feel I could go back to crime. At all. Yeah, because you also had the, the experience now of, of, of the motherhood. Right? Yes, I think, I think um, that definitely... Um, was thrown into the mix there it was you know from one mother to another I just it was just heartbreaking to tell her I mean not with I mean he had done some very bad things yeah, yeah. Sure, sure, sure. but it was actually more complicated than that but you know there were you know there were I mean at the time Manchester was struggling with uh, really high levels of gang violence mm. and um, you know sort of not dissimilar to what's going on now in London yeah. And the picture wasn't, it wasn't a simple one about a choice of becoming a criminal. It was one that was tinged with um, poverty, quite grinding poverty. I bet. Which, yeah. you know, forced, you know, young men's hands to do, to, to earn money in a quick way. Mm. Not condoning it. Sure, but sure. That's, sure. that's the, the background. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, it's it's always complicated. People don't make choices mm-hmm. like that. Like, no. it normally is <clears throat> a continuation of like little small things that keep accum- accumulating, and then yes, yeah. something just materializes that is just like over the top, and then yeah, like, you know, <clears throat> yeah. So, exactly. so that so that means you st- you wanted to start earlier, to. Yeah, I mean, you know, there was there was part of me that flirted with the idea of becoming a, a social worker, whether, you know, that's really where my skills best best lay. Um, but I don't think, I don't think that's my personality. Mm. Uh, and, and in a way, what I'm now trying to do through um, the theatre company, recent is to... Um, using art to tackle some of those issues mm. and to shine a light on them. So one of the plays that we're dealing with at, at producing at the moment deals with racial stereotyping and adolescent mental health and explores the relationship of two teenage black boys and how um, society's view of them pushes them into a particular tra- trajectory that okay. then spirals into criminality and you know mental health issues and, oh, and that sort of thing. Was the... Um it's interesting because we were having a conversation earlier about um, kind of the regenerative or, or, or degenerative nature of, of, the, of the judicial system and, mm-hmm. and, and um, the prison system. And, um, and actually it's not a very understanding, it's not a very, it's a bureaucracy, so it's not, it's not, a, very, yeah. it's not a very empathic, okay, I, I could understand why you would make this decision. It's not condoned, mm. but... There's maybe a, there's maybe a process by which we could we could um, rest, restore or 
ther- there, there could be yes. a form of therapy anyways. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess you're also your this the play is maybe is not maybe not looking at that but but what 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 is the circumstances by which Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um yes, you're right. The play isn't looking at that particularly about, you know, the sort of interaction with the criminal justice system. But it's definitely the angle of the play is definitely to make um audiences think about more empathetically, as you say. Um, about you know what what moves an individual to behave in a particular way, and I think we're quite as a society, certainly in this country, quite unforgiving of our young people. We're very hard on them, I think. Mm-hmm. And you know the criminal justice system is not the place for them. You know even even the one the ones who, in fact not even the ones who've been who've done really bad things. Those are the ones that really need the support most. And it's therapy they need. It's a, yeah. a therapeutic environment, not punitive. Yeah. And we've completely gone down the, the punishment. I mean, you know, as a country where we have the lowest, I think, in Europe. Not I think. We have the lowest um, age of criminal responsibility in Europe. What is it? It's 10. 10? 10. Really? It's, it's 10. Well, that's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I think it's 16 in Portugal. Yeah. I mean, the continent is... Um, Far more progressive than we are, but ten. Ten is the age, the the age of criminal responsibility ten. in this country. Yes. How does that make even make any sense? I know, I know, I know. I mean, have you seen a ten-year-old? Yeah, exactly. They do the dumbest stuff. Of course. Is the, is the point of that to put the emphasis on parenting? Because, or is that really just like we 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 hold you an eleven-year-old the same way we hold a nineteen-year-old the same I mean, way? I mean, you. You would think that was the, the the point, but you know it's not the. I mean, the parents are of, obviously dragged along through the criminal justice system with the child, but it's the child who is taken away and put in custody. And the difference is they they're not put in prison; mm. they're, they're put in secure accommodation. But it's Pretty it's the prison. same. It's prison. It's <laughs> just called a different thing. Yeah. yeah. Do Do you feel like it sound? Do you feel like the, the your years of uh, being in the Um, in the judicial system, have now they're shaping the way that you are making the art and that you are what you're wanting to produce. Because it sounds like in this yeah. case that you're, you're obviously you're looking at young young black males uh, who maybe have been some of the young same people that you've. That you've yes, yeah, um, it's definitely shaped the the person I am as an artist. Definitely, um, and I'm, I'm also sort of kind of pushing back against it. Yeah. In a way. How so? You know, um, because I, I realized that we have all these rules and, you know, and laws and statutes. But I'm questioning how, how effective they are, mm. you know, in, in um, reducing crime and exposing the causes of crime and trying to tackle that. I just, I just don't think it's effective. And do you have an example of one that's like, that comes up for you pretty often? Um, what an example from my own career, or from yeah, from law, or like, yeah, from law, or just your experience with the, with the legal system, where you say that that's clearly not that's clearly not working. Well, I mean, I think just generally the statistics shows that it's not working. I mean, because you know, crime rates aren't don't reduce every time you know a government brings in sort of like a zero tolerance yeah. approach or sentencing yeah. initiative. Yeah. It doesn't bear fruit. Yeah, it right. doesn't result in a reduction yeah. in, in crime and in fact what does a, a sort of um, 
um, approaches that were um, like in, in Glasgow there was an approach where they instead of um, punishing what they did is they they gathered the the members of the community who were involved in crime and said look let's see how we can reduce this by mm-hmm. um, diverting funds into you know youth youth clubs mm. education and they saw a, a massive mm-hmm. fall in violent crime um, you know right. drug use you know gang crime and and I think we might be catching on to that but it's a bit late in the day but I don't know how how it will take off I mean the the uh, it just reminds me of the example of um, um, decriminalization in, in Portugal back in, when was it, like the late 80s? Mm-hmm. We, we were like the most heroin-addicted uh, country in really? Europe. Oh, I didn't know that. And uh, we tried a bunch of different things, and eventually, w- which uh, were first, you had like these uh, rooms where you could go and like they would give, give you like... Meat, methadone. Meat, mm-hmm. Methadone, like whatever. Um, <clears throat> but they realized that what was happening is that you're basically just shoving a problem to the side yeah. under the carpet yeah. and uh, you're segregating these people actually rather than helping them out you're really they're not really uh, they didn't see any success in people getting free of that mm-hmm. and then eventually the, we passed a law that was to decriminalize um, all drugs in Portugal all well, drugs in the 1980s uh, like I think it was 90s but it, wow. because in the eighties, that was pretty, progressive. Yeah, it's like I think. Yeah, I think. I'm not, don't don't quote yeah. me that. But but certainly uh, within your lifetime, because you yeah. remember it. I mean, um, what happened was uh, we. It was the decrease was in like insane, like never seen before. Uh, what 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 we do now is you can uh, have drugs as long as you don't have enough amount that it's considered. Uh, to deal, to deal. To like you, that's not that's not a crime. That that is, you will uh, if a cop sees you in the street uh, with with doing like injecting or whatever, they will go to you and they they will let you know that there's these spaces and these places where you can get help. There are social yeah. workers working with these with these cases and like in one like in one generation, like it just disappeared. The whole problem. Wow. And, yeah. and, and it was exactly the opposite of like war on drugs. Yeah, or... yeah, which isn't working. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not working. No, it's interesting because it feels like there are there are these policies, social policies, legal policies that they they don't. It doesn't seem like they require much, but from like from a mindset point of view, that's mm. a massive. Yeah, it's exactly. a massive shift, right? Like even even I'm just thinking about social spaces or public spaces, like. In Brazil, in Curitiba, for example, or in, in Bogota, you had really progressive uh, mayors who were who were doing really simple things with with public transportation, were were were, were, were creating more space for public transportation, were limiting private transport, and, and had massive massive uh, impacts, positive impacts on on the amount of um, the amount of, of, of CO two in the atmosphere, yeah. general like. Positivity in public spaces, like being mental health, everything. Yeah. yeah, and it just required one shift in mindset around it, even like within a quite like a quite like a particular niche, you know, yeah, like in yeah. this case, drugs, mm-hmm. public space, 
maybe you know obviously young people yeah yeah um, um yeah i absolutely agree with you um i just don't know whether the you know people at the top uh are interested in making such a shift i think i think they I th but i think they would if 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 like um the public opinion changed mm. you know well if there was if there was more debate and free debate around it mm. Then and so that the public could be informed, better informed about the issues. Then I think that's right. I think the public would a, a, agree with a new approach. But at the moment, what is very much in vogue is this, you know, this um, tough on crime, tough on the causes of crime. I think was one conservative mantra mm. back in the sort of nineties, and and that is very much still on the front. The, mm. the front runner, I think, and what is driving public policy around um, the criminal justice system. But so, uh, I mean, sort of the overlap between my, my, my legal entity or identity and my artistic one is there's, you know, it's very much exploring um, those, some of those themes through, through art. Yeah. You're specifically working with young black men. Well, the, the project that I mentioned, which is a play called Play Fight, where just in the, the last stages of, um, well, we've got a final draft of that play. And during the research and development of that play, we, we, um, we had young black men come and, to, and workshopped ideas, which then fed into the writing process. Mm -hmm. And what we would like to do... Um, money willing, funding willing, is to, to run workshops alongside the play, to workshop the themes with young people yeah. in the community. Mm. Um, because that's what, that's what we did with one of our workshops. We had two young men who weren't, who weren't actors. Um, mm. Actually, one of them was my son and his friend. And they came into the space and it completely changed the dynamic because obviously, you know, as actors, we're... Very much as much as we, we try to convince ourselves that we're, you know, portraying real life and, and convincingly, and I'm sure we are, it's completely different when somebody of that life then comes into the room yeah. and responds the way they would respond, not the way an actor yeah. thinks they would yeah. respond. Um, and the power of that exercise was not just to inform the writing, but just actually it made us think gosh wouldn't it be wonderful if we could get more young people mm -hmm. just to come into the you know a, 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 that sort of environment yeah. where they're not judged mm. and they're allowed to express themselves and just see what happens that's kind of what happened at city of god you know city of god the movie uh like brazilian from i think the 90s it's unbelievable movie and all the actors in that movie were kids from the favela yes I did see that movie actually and yeah, like all of them actually movie. most of them actually uh, became actors mm. which is incredible you know I mean of course the movie was like it's one of my favorite movies yeah. of all time yeah. but it's interesting that he, he took that like yeah he didn't want to work with professional actors at all he really? wanted to get I mean that would be my next step I would like to have I mean certainly what we do at a recent when we're we're um, auditioning, you know, we don't. There's less emphasis on you know your your CV. So whether you've actually been to drama school, because I haven't been, mm -hmm. I didn't go to drama school, yeah. obviously. And so I'm very open to actors who have come from, who've trodden a different path. 
So certainly, you know, we've always emphasised if you're going to audition for us, we're not really that much bothered about what you've done. We just <laughs> yeah. want to see what you can do. And we, and we don't care how, how you got to that point, as long as it's good. Which, which I guess also, sorry, for the, for, for it just makes it more approachable for, for those kind of people to also be, be willing to, you know, say that they want to do it. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what we have found already just you know in we've been up and running about a year is that the actors we worked with were just completely moved by the whole process mm-hmm. you know that they were in a, an audition room that was quite you know relaxed and open not you know just like a sort of panel of mm-hmm. judges waiting to hit the air button it wasn't you know people messed up we said okay just Breathe, start again. It felt safe. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's how you get the best out yeah. of people, actually. It's mm. not, you know, to take the stress out of it. Of and, um, yeah, our young, young actors are saying to us that, you know, they haven't been involved in a process like that before. And, and also, we gave them opportunity to play roles that they don't normally get asked to play as young black actors, you know. Mm. Which, which again was was lovely feedback for us to get. So, yeah. <laughs> of course. What did, what um, what challenged the group when you had these young people come in and you said that you know there were things that we took from them that we had maybe hadn't realised or actually we would have said things a bit differently. Were there things that you were really? Yeah, doing? I mean, um, the first big um, and obvious point was that they just responded in a very different way um, it was um, I don't know if, if you've ever seen a, a toddler start to walk or a child run how free and open it is you know it's <laughs> usually barefoot or something you know and maybe their arms right? yeah. and, and it, yeah and they'll get back <laughs> up and it was like that so it was it was this sort of untrained response um, and um, once they got over the sort of initial you know, there was a bit of giggles, and obviously, because they were teenagers, they're teenagers. But once they got over that, then what we got was these very sort of very um, open and vulnerable responses to what was being said or what was being asked of them mm. in the room, and 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 that was that was very it was it was very moving actually. We did a. Um, uh, uh, sort of a scene that we just completely improvised where uh, a young woman was at the funeral for her son mm. and then we got um, the two young men to come and you know offer condolences and it just completely went off in a way we didn't expect she was angry and then they got defensive and then they got angry and you know mm. it, 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 the, the tension was in the room kind of ramped up <laughs> but also the emotions, I mean, everybody was like quite damp eyed and some mm. people were openly crying mm. at the end of it. You've got a genuine expression yes, of emotions. Yes, and it was, kind it of was genuine. Complex interplay of yeah. personal expression. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, did they have any sort of like similar experience with that in their real lives? Um... Well, I don't, I don't think they, well, one of them was my son, so I know he's never, he's, yeah, yeah. he hasn't been in a sort of a situation where he's gone to a, mm. a friend like that, but I know in their wider circle they have, mm-hmm. um, and um, so yeah, and that's, that's stuff that we can't 
you know, we don't have access to as, yeah. as, as actors, exactly. particularly, particularly if you've you know, been to RADA, I suspect, <laughs> that perhaps <laughs> you haven't come across that. You know, it's funny, is I, I, um, I, was quite, I, was, I play guitar in a, in a group, and, oh, right. but I'm not, like, I'm not classically trained. I've played for some time, but I play my own way, and which mm-hmm. is a collection of things that I've heard and seen. And, and I was talking to someone who was classically trained recently, a guitarist, and we were saying, oh, let's, you know, let's, let's jam, like, let's hang out and jam. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, don't, like, this is what you should expect from me because I'm, I'm slightly, I've got, uh, I've got sensitivity around the yeah. music because I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not a musician, you know. And he says, oh, no, uh, I'm also, I also get a bit nervous when I play with non-musicians or people who haven't been trained yeah. because there's, I'm, 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 he was worried because he knows that I'm going to bring something that he doesn't quite bring, oh, right. which okay, is this, yeah. maybe which is this mm. kind of freedom or mm. is this kind of non-linearity mm. to the process. And he said he found he found that a bit intimidating, and so there was this yeah. kind of like we had this thing. That's so interesting. I wouldn't yeah. think I wouldn't think that he would like go through that process. You probably didn't think that. No, no, I had no. no it, it, I, but, but it makes sense though. I and mean, I was thinking about it. I was like, okay, well, actually, I've also played with other people who haven't trained classically and. Mm they're really extraordinary and maybe on a different level than I and I don't know what's the more intimidating bit but uh, I can see <laughs> yeah yeah but it is interesting because you would think that you know and I, I think that's very much the sort of the drama school story in that if you've gone to a particular drama school it gives you that confidence mm. that you can do it yeah. which yeah. is priceless well I mean I to be fair yeah. like well, I, I went to uh, to uni for film production and like I, I I didn't feel like that at all. Really? <laughs> yeah, not at all. I felt like I'm not saying that the the school had bad courses or whatever. It's just that <clears throat> I feel it's a kind of endeavor that you actually learn by doing yes, rather than absolutely and and, and it and it isn't it isn't like a, what do you call it? Yes, there are physical things that you do. But there are a lot of underlying uh, skills that you need to like experience through like making mistakes and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Especially interacting with people and mm-hmm. uh, you know, like you were saying, like uh, make, making people be comfortable. Like there's a whole there's there's a whole uh, well of things that cannot be taught. Yeah, uh, like. On a course, yeah, on a course, course. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Um, but I think we we live in a society that has to monetize everything, mm. and so and you can if, you, if, for everything, you know? if you if you if you teach yourself, no one's making money out of that. <laughs> and also, here, this, well, and this, yeah. in this country, more, this country more than where I'm from, you you have to have these levels of of, of accomplishment as well. Like you've got to have. You're, you're level one, you're level two, you're level three, and actually people are concerned about that on some level. Whereas, the, you know, if I show up and say, "Well, I'm a, I'm a facilitator and a coach," someone's going to ask me, "Well, where did you train? What's your certification?" You know, and and part of that, you, part of that is useful. And yeah, but I, I think it's not for everything. I think like some like my job, I never got asked anything. What's What's your job? I make videos. Oh right, I'm a filmmaker. 
So um, it's way more about because I guess it's different because you can actually see what I make, you know, like it's very clear. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like, yeah. uh, like who That's cares true. if you got like a master's in cinematography if your images look terrible? Yeah. Like, <clears throat> you just want to see the video. If it looks great, then awesome. Yeah, I want to yeah. work with you. If not, so mm -hmm. for me, like That's I didn't fine. have that experience, and I also um, got a friend. Uh, the Simon who like who was not like trained and yet he was able like to uh, like start a few uh, uh, companies and like he just does his thing you mm -hmm. know so I mean like so I, I don't know I found it like in Portugal I don't mind like everybody just gets masters like it's just so normal like yeah. well, you're, you're every single up. one of my friends got masters and like some of them are like literally doing uh, barista jobs and it's like what? yeah it's, I don't, it's a European thing I think yeah, yeah it's so strange yeah, yeah I mean I mean because when I when I did my degree many months ago you know everybody got a degree so then everybody had to get a master's mm. I, I mean what what are people get I mean quite, I've met quite a few PhD candidates lately so maybe that's <laughs> yeah. that's the next that's the, new the next step um, well the bachelor's has definitely been cheapened I mean like I, the, the, the universities, I think, have done something quite tricky, which is like, and it, it's a bit deceptive and a bit, I think, in some instances, quite gross, which is like the quality. I've been in some master's programs where I've been supporting, whether doing feedback or mm. some design stuff, and, and I've just been a bit appalled at the quality of, of, of master's yeah. levels education, education and it's, and it's, it feels like a bit of a money grab of like, we're just getting yeah, whoever we can in, into... Mm and to get their bachelor's and even the master's levels at least like in some universities here it's like well how many how many international students can we get in because they they yeah, bring they a bit more mean, maybe yeah. the quality of education then can't be that high because it's mm. it's working with students who don't actually speak the language completely and so there is this there's a whole thing with education right now that's like it's a bit mm. kind yeah of, i mean and uh, and it's a trickle down effect as well i think it it trickles down to sort of primary and secondary education as well mm. and certainly I mean I've got three children and given the spread of ages means that I've been able to sort of you know see closely primary and secondary education over the past 10 years and I've definitely seen a change I've seen a change in the quality of the teaching yeah. in what is being taught um, you know more and more emphasis on just passing tests and oh, yeah. exams um, you know, one story my daughter told me who's doing her GCSEs at the moment was that um, I can't remember whether it was Macbeth or another classical text that she was being taught for an exam. And she, they were told not to read the whole book, they were just really? told to read excerpts that they would be tested on. Mm. That's... I was in shock. I thought she was winding me up, but no, that was, that was true. So the, the teachers are game in the system? Well, I think the teachers. Are, uh, uh, I mean, I, I'm kind of, I have a bit of sympathy for them because I think hard, yeah. they have got, you know, sort of a hard test themselves. You know, if they don't get certain amount of mm. students through this test, yeah. then they don't tick the boxes, then yeah. their job is on the line. So I don't feel as though they have the freedom to teach the subject in the way they no. would want to teach I, it. I think no. the bureaucracy yeah. is, is uh, it's become way, 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 way more than, than it used to be. I mean, my mom is a kindergarten teacher and she tells me, like, yeah. it's insane, like, they're kids. Let, let me do my job, no, you know? No, <laughs> like, if I let me enjoy home, learning. I mean, yeah. uh, is that a thing anymore? The yeah. love of learning, yeah. remember that? Yeah. Um, it seems to have been 
really leached out of it. It's really sad too because it just, I think it goes back to what you're saying about, um, about criminalization. It's, it's this complete lack of a systems approach to the way that we are shaping our society. It's like, okay, well, there's some standards for, um, for how we educate kids, which is why we have this uh, Ofsted thing and they come into mm-hmm. the school and they, they're going to come in once a year or once every two years and they're yeah. going to see, are you teaching the right way and are you going to do are you doing all the paperwork and are you teaching that bit of Macbeth mm. and actually what you're doing at is is creating test takers and you're yes. and you're and you're creating yes. rational yeah. test takers because we've cut yeah. we've cut art we've cut uh, we've cut performance we've cut softer skills yeah. more and more so you're creating this stronger rationalist paradigm of test takers um, which is actually like zero use in the real world no, and becoming less well less, it's very less useful, useful as a as a workforce but maybe because that's what you want you, but, want, you yeah. want people who are going to hit targets but maybe becoming yeah. less and less useful though through, because of automation because of yes well we have that that's the biggest that's I suppose um, the biggest challenge on the horizon you yeah. know because because even aspects I used to think, you know, the legal world was safe, but even aspects of um, um, legal jobs are being automated now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, because it's 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 it is the kind of Oxbridge paradigm of of of, of taking in information and then processing information. Yeah, and, absolutely. And feeding out. That's the and this is yeah. the like this is the kind of rationalist mm. uh, left brain that we that we are focusing on. And um, and I think it's, I think it's a systems issue. It's like going back to what you said about criminalization. It's mm. like, well, actually, is is punitive action and punishment the way that we are going to help this person overcome the difficulties yeah. that they've experienced in their life? It's kind of paradoxically also that they have so much data. They create all of this bureaucracy, and then clearly things aren't working. They are using that same data that they have been. Like so, so. Yeah. Forcing, you know? I mean, it's yeah. It can. It's be, a big topic. Anyway, it can, but, yeah, it um, can be quite overwhelming <laughs> and quite quite sad and depressing. Yeah. <laughs> but I guess in your in uh, Orison is is it sounds like it's in some way a kind of response, response to that, to which that, is yeah. like which is actually yeah. a young person is really complex, and mm. this is just obviously one facet of this. This kind of totality of life. Yeah, yeah. But this person um, is nuanced and is uh, and is really intelligent in its mm. own in its own way. Yeah, yeah. And um, and just shoving this kid in the penitentiary or uh, whatever is actually not helpful for him, for his yeah. family, his community, society mm. in the long run. Yeah, and I, I feel strongly that. Um, that theatre and, and and film is, you know, they're such powerful yeah. mediums. I mean, you know, you know, you you mentioned City of God. I mean, we probably could all talk about a film that's really moved us. And you know, I don't go to the theatre a lot, and and I just think it's a, a really powerful way to demonstrate, you know, sort of those issues. Um, yeah, and I just think of it as a, another form of, of advocacy for me. You know, mm. I you know. The, the form that I, you know, was raised on uh, in my my working career was in a, you know, very austere and in a courtroom. Mm-hmm. But this is, this is persuasion and storytelling, yeah. um, but on a stage. So I feel yes, 
yeah, yeah. You know, um, I mean, I I like to think that when I when I was a criminal advocate, I did it in a sort of storytelling way. I think the best criminal advocates were were definitely um, of that 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 persuasion. They were they were storytellers, mm-hmm. um, and the the facts that our, our clients' lives were the the story that we were telling. Um, and those were the best, definitely the best advocates, you know. I mean, the thing with, uh, that I find interesting about storytelling and writing, and it's you can actually express a lot more things that maybe you wouldn't be able to express just by talking. You know, like poetry yes. is not the same thing as, as uh, you know, like uh, you in a court of law explaining yeah. something, but there, there are things in a poem that are not really expressible in that way, you know? Yeah, and, and, and also the things that aren't said, hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the things that aren't said in the poem, mm. but are hinted at. Yes, yeah. Sometimes exactly. that is far more powerful. That's what I mean. You yeah. know, and seeing, you know, what, what an actor does on screen, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to what they're saying, get there's, there's a nuance that doesn't yeah. exist in more... Uh, strict forms of communication, I think. Yeah. What do you think you've learned in that regard of since you've since you've started or some about about um, producing and writing and now you and you and you are obviously acting. What have you learned about communication and uh, how you can and how you can convey something? Yeah. Um, what I've learned is about listening. Hmm. Actually, you know. Um, that there's a, a power sometimes in just, you know, in listening or be qu- being quiet and doing very little. Um, I, think, I think that's been my single most um, quite powerful piece of learning since I've started this, you know, this, this creative aspect of my, of my journey in life. Is that you can, you can convey so much with, with very little, mm-hmm. you know, with, you know, the human body and we're so expressive when, mm-hmm. um, and you know just just in a, a touch and you know a, a turn of the head or something in the eyes mm-hmm. that can it's quite powerful and yeah I, I, that's definitely one of the things that I have learnt and that I, I, I hope to be able to you know demonstrate through my through my theatre work so what are you actually doing in the theatre? So are you writing and acting? No, I don't. I don't write. Okay. Although many people keep saying, "Why don't you?" But I'm very good at coming up with ideas. I mean, I've, I've got loads of them. You're a subwriter. Yeah. So, so Playfight actually came out of an idea that I had, um, but I didn't write it. We've got a very talented writer, Christina Alagrathnam, who wrote it. Okay. But it was it was my idea. I was like, I've got this idea. Um, Which is important. Yeah, it's important yeah, to know. Um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, there are there are lots of ways of creating um, theatre work. So you know, I don't know. Down the line, we might do a sort of more devised. Which is sort of like getting actors in the room and you know, telling the story and then writing it down. Mm. Um, sort of like working the story around. Yes. The, uh, the yes. Actor. Yes. Yeah. Um, but so I mean, so what I'm doing with recent is at the moment. I mean, it's very much a, a sort of growing thing. Is um, yeah, we've identified writers and I've come up with the ideas. One of them, 
Um, and then we get the writers and we get actors in the room and we see um, if we can inform the process that way. Um, I actually, one of, the, one of the reasons I started the, um, the theatre company was to provide more opportunities for um, African and African-Caribbean actors to perform in non-stereotypical roles. Mm. And because what I found as a, a, an actor in my 40s was that there weren't very many roles for me. And in fact, over the last couple of weeks, I screenshot a couple of... Um, I'm on this platform, which will remain nameless for now, but maybe actors out there will know. And they send me alerts for jobs. And in the last two weeks, I've got one for um, a single mother who's, whose son is um, a drug dealer and what was the other one? Was the other one a maid? I want to say it was a maid. <laughs> so that's just to give you an idea of the, the paucity of sure, roles sure. available for uh, a black woman of my age. And so one of the, 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 the impetus behind a reason was to create roles for myself, although I haven't been in anything yet. <laughs> but maybe that will come. Maybe that will come. So this was a response to, okay... A, maybe I don't see any roles that I feel like I identify with and the ones that, I, that are coming to me feel like a role that I've seen before that, that feels a bit yeah. feels stereotypical and yeah. is maybe not as nuanced as I would appreciate. Absolutely. Um, I mean, we really, I mean, it's just the, the, a change really needs to come. Yeah. What's, what's, <laughs> what do you think is the importance of, um, of that? Of um, A, a kind of narrative that continues to reproduce itself which maybe not be, which maybe not is the full truth mm. and also a lack of a different example because there's two things going on mm. there's a lack of a different example and then there's this kind of reinforced example yeah so I, I guess um, the, the sort of reinforced example I think is about um, the producers so whether it be theatre producers or film producers feeling that they know what sells and not wanting to mess with that. Mm-hmm. So they they just produce the same thing. I mean, they really do. <laughs> There's very little. I mean, especially in Hollywood. I mean, it's quite shocking, the yeah. lack of imagination. And you just think, where do they, who comes up with this idea? And, you know, who gave them the money to do this? Hmm. If they give me a bunch of money. <laughs> uh, so so I, think, I think there's a fearlessness around... Uh, around um, creating work that takes risks because they, they're in the business of making money and, you know, and this works. Yeah. So why change it? And I think what it takes is for just a handful of individuals to just turn that on its head and say, actually, I'm just going to do this and, and you yeah. know, and see if, if, the audience, the paying audience, will be interested in it. Yeah. yeah. And and I and I think there are examples of um, filmmakers and writers out there. There's a oh, I've got his name now. It's gone out of my head. Who who the the writer African American writer who wrote and directed Get Out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which yeah. And us. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which I really liked, by the way. I know lots of people didn't. They didn't like it as much as Get Out. And, and it's. To be fair, Get Out, I did prefer, but I really liked us. I think, I think it was... Are you into thrillers or scary movies? 
I used to be. <laughs> I used to be. I was, you know, pin Hellraiser, you okay. know, all those things. I used to be. Used to be. And then I had children. Strange and I, I, I kid you not, something changes. Something chemically changes, which makes you averse to risk and not want to be scared. I'm telling you. Yeah, it's now a, I cannot watch those things. You're in full security full, mode. Full, like, but when I was in my teens and 20s, bring it on. Go I for it. To, yeah. But not anymore. But, uh, but, but Get Out was a bit different because, I mean, I had to be really talked into watching it because I was like, this, if it's like really scary and I'm going to go for it. Um, it's interesting. So do you feel like a, a film like Get Out or Us really challenged it? I, to be honest with you, I haven't watched neither of them because oh, I don't yeah. like scary movies. But I've been trying to watch them both. And I still haven't watched. I watched the trailers. I've watched yeah. bits and stuff. And I, but I really want to watch them. I mean, really they were a revelation them. for me. I mean, to see uh, black actors in that genre of movie mm. was just quite. Yeah, it was a shock. Yeah, I I, uh, I I grew up in uh, with like Korean movies. I really like Korean oh, movies, okay. and like I find the whole idea of like horror with like. It's just like the, the the cultural imagery that they have yeah. and like the way they interact with each other. It just I just find it so fascinating. Yeah, I find yeah. it more scary than anything we like westerns produce. Oh, absolutely! One of the scariest movies I've ever seen was The Audition. I don't like, uh, which is sure. I think it's Japanese, but it's scary as hell. Tell, I mean, tell us about it. Oh. <laughs> It's <laughs> the mother. <laughs> yeah, actually, you know, I watched that. that. That was a game before I had children. But um, yeah, no, just a, a very, very uh, sick woman who went around torturing people she dated or something. Oh, it was just. Oh, oh, and she great. did something with acupuncture needles, which meant I have never been able to have acupuncture again. <laughs> Oh, it's, yeah, it's seriously was, scary. That's like that was like when Hostel came out. Did you see ever see Hostel? No. You, you were probably a mother by this point. Yeah, that's why. Well, you see, when, when, when those kind of movies, I watch them and I just laugh. My, I just laugh. Uh, yeah. yeah, like I just find them like totally comedic. Where, whereas with like some Korean movies, I'm like. Oh my god, they, like this is like I'm pooping my pants, you know? Hustle yeah. Hustle was like this, um, I think it was probably like early 2000s horror of young people getting like abducted and kidnapped from hostels and like being sold to people for torture. It was like really intense. You know? Oh my god, that sounds awful. But it's kind of like they, they did it like uh, he wanted to be shocking and more. It was super shocking, the, yeah. For the purpose of. Like, but there's like all like uh, Saw. I think started it. There's like Saw started like the horror, which is more like disgust horror. You oh, know, okay. like yes, it, super gory stuff. Super like like but I don't know. Like Meryl Elm Street. Come on, that was like gore. I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, yeah, that well was done. Sure, but it was. Yeah. but I don't, I don't think I don't think you saw him like sawing someone's arm off. You know, it was like Texas think, Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, but I think there's like horror really? and terror. And like yeah, I yeah, find, yeah, yeah. and terror I find way more scary than horror because horror is is explicit, explicit, whereas terror can be something that your mind is creating the rest of the story. So like, what's, a, what's an example of a, of a, so ter- of a good example, terror film? If you look, if you look over there right now, and there was like a face just looking at you, sure, that's terror. Would you say would if you, there's a guy coming with a chainsaw and cuts sure, and cuts the guy in sure. half, that's horror. Would, would, would you right. say that terror then would be like, um, 
what was the uh, the one where the guy goes off into the um, to the, 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 the mountains with his with his wife uh, and he's staying at this oh yeah yeah Antichrist no no the one with Jack Nicholson where he's uh, oh oh, oh, the shining shining. is this this like a terror yeah that's more terror okay that's more terror but that's but that's sort of like that's supernatural sort of what they call that sort of psycho you don't even know what it is Is that's that's a scary movie though that that one is for you that that was I just find those like that cerebral sort of horror like more way more terrifying you found that one. I'm going to have to now watch some cartoon on the way back home to, to get that. That was so scary. So, we so we, we were on the top. We were, <laughs> I even get onto this. No, because we were talking about how us and uh, yeah, so the, that, 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 that challenge yeah, is uh, reinforced. Because, you know, and, and, I, and I, I said, I, you know, I was talking to my husband about, um, you know, New Year's, New Year's resolutions. I don't do those because... I'm just never very good at them, so I don't do them. But I did say that this year I'm not going to watch any productions or any movies that don't have a black actor in a in a lead role. Because I feel like I've done that my whole life, my whole life. Mm. I've watched just white people on the screen, mm-hmm. and you know, we were we were you know my, my husband, <laughs> my, my husband, my husband's from the northeast. He's he's a white Geordie, yeah. but our children are brown. And so we were discussing this Christmas about, you know, what Christmas movies we can watch that don't just have white characters. And it was a real challenge. Yeah. We, couldn't, we couldn't find it in all my childhood movies that I loved around Christmas. I just got, you know, white people in there. And I realised that my whole image of happy, beautiful life <laughs> was completely moulded by Hollywood, which mm. was... Yeah, but actually, you know, for him as well, it was, you know, this very polished, you know, he's from a, a working class mining background, yeah. you know, yeah. and so even for him, it was this unattainable image. Yeah, so yeah, I think yeah. for the majority, black and white, yeah. what the Hollywood machinery churns out is this, you know, image of unattainable beauty and perfection. Mm. Which sadly, I think you know we're all you know striving to <laughs> towards, especially the Instagram yeah. millennial generation. I think they they've just been sold this package, mm. and it's they affecting have to live a certain way, and it's affecting mental health big time. Yeah, well. yeah, yeah it's it's a, it's a bit uh, enticing. It's an interesting one because there's an element of it which is. Um, at least like the Instagram stuff and the kind of projection of a particular image is mm. in some way is really damaging and in some ways um, it can, can, is not so great in terms of an aspiration but also in, in some way we are drawn to it in, in, in some way and that's yeah, and, absolutely. and there's something like there's something quite strangely um, challenging about that um, but I the, think we're drawn to it because it's human nature I think yeah. it's human nature, and that's you know the the devices of these um, platforms, uh, you know that they've just tapped into mm-hmm. this very human aspect of us, which wants to better ourselves generally. So when we're sold or put, an image is portrayed, which we are then told is better, mm-hmm. then I think it's it's human nature to strive towards it. I mean, we all mm-hmm. want to. 
better ourselves, yeah, whether I mean, it's the conditions yeah. we're living in or, you know, whatever it is. I mean, there is something for aiming towards, like, uh, improvement, but yeah. then there is also, like, uh, managing expectations, I guess. Yes, but there's now, we're being sold one story of what improvement or what betterment looks mm. like. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's not about happiness, let's be clear. Mm. It's not about that, because I don't believe for a minute that most of these people are happy at all. Mm. Um, because there's no end, there's no end to it. You know, they achieve something and then they've got to achieve the next thing and then the next look and then the next house. The next the test, next the next test, the next test. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, test takers. So, so um, I don't think for a minute that they're, they're happy. It's just that we're being sold this lie that happiness looks a particular way. Yeah. I want to come back to the point about um, the, this, this idea of challenging the narrative or the, the kind of like the negation of what's going on. But I, I think also, I'd be curious, the, 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 this, there, is a, there is an industry of happiness now and, um, and it's, quite, it's quite compelling. And yeah. We can go on these, we can go to, uh, we can buy our kind of Lululemon and go do a nice yoga session <laughs> and, uh, and with, the, with the other beautiful yeah. people that. around. I'm, and, I'm bowing my head in shame. <laughs> well, well, I, well, no, because, because as I, I recognize <laughs> myself. But the point is, though, is that actually, um, it's there's something useful about it in some way, and uh, and actually, what it, what is being sold is something that we that, that we, we've been drawn to, and for a reason. I mean, like, there's something really important about um, stretching for an hour in, yeah. in silence, mm. you know, mm. and there's something really important about being in nature for a few days, and so <laughs> we, in one way, we're kind of we're being drawn. To something that is useful, but mm-hmm. in but in a way that is maybe also very capitalist at the same time, yeah. right? Yeah. And um, I just find that point quite interesting, actually, because it, I think it, what you said about this these images in Instagram or whatever mm-hmm. is also that, you know, like you said, we're we're drawn to this thing which is maybe better in in a certain way, yeah. yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that inherently. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's I think it is really part of our the human. Condition. I think yeah. you know. <laughs> all through history, we have wanted to. We've you know we've tried to well, to better ourselves. Yeah. Well, you know, and my you know my mother. My mother came to this country to because she was told that this was the place where she would better herself. I mean, yeah. it's just part of the human condition. Mm. So they've actually tapped into that quite successfully, but they've just. In a, in, a, in a done it in a way that's quite sinister because they're selling us one uh, a sort of homogenized yeah. Yeah. version of what happiness yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I think that's probably not accurate. <laughs> it, it's interesting because it's like the, the immigration thing, I think, is a really useful metaphor because I also, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a second generation immigrant. My mom moved from. Uh, from a village in the south of Italy and my grandparents, they took a risk, right? Mm. And your mom took a risk. Yeah, yeah. And they went to a place that they didn't, maybe they didn't know, they weren't sure if they were, well, America in the 50s was maybe a bit different, but mm-hmm. um, it was still a huge risk and you were taking eight kids and you didn't speak the language and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's maybe what made it valuable mm-hmm. was that you were putting your skin in the game. Whereas with the, with the kind of, kind of, tr- just throwing through images. There's no yeah. risk you're taking, actually. You can, no, you're just no. trying to strive for something where you, you're you not actually... 
There's, there's no downside to you just scrolling except for no. your mental health, but you're not thinking about your mental health. Yeah, and things become, uh, like, become meaningless. I think they do become meaningless. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, I, and, I mean, I don't want to speak ill of the younger generation, because I suspect... But that, you, you know, my parents... <laughs> I suspect our parents said this similar yeah. thing about us, you know. For sure. But, and, and, and I, you know, we've all done a version of it. You know, yeah. I, I coveted a particular pair of shoes when I was, you know, when I got my first job to, this, to the extent that I, you know, I... It's not a thing now, but because now you can get everything on credit. But I would, yeah, I, I did layaway, you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You know, I paid down for these mm. fur-lined boots, which were, <laughs> you know, far above my my financial ability to buy outright. Um, so we've all done it. Yeah. Um, so I'm, so I'm not, I'm not. It's just that I guess it's the pace of it. I guess I don't know if it's if it's different or quicker and. More brutal? I don't know. I don't know. Mm. Because I, I guess when I, when I was, you know, putting my deposit down on my fur-lined boots, I had a place to retreat to. I had, you know, it, you know, the boots didn't follow me on my device. Yeah. Or, you know, you know, I could then, I would then go and hang out with my mates. We would then go mm. to concerts or... Yeah, but yeah. maybe you guys want to do that anyway, so I don't know. Well, maybe there is something about the pervasiveness of it. Mm. It's just so accessible. Yeah, it's, um, it's very accessible. And the the problem is not in the tool, I think. The problem is is in the usage of of the tool. Yeah, yeah. Because, um, yeah, I mean, having the capability to buy those fur uh, fur lined boots, it it wasn't like it, it's a good thing it's there, you know. Mm. Like it just gives you the opportunity to, if you want to, like do something, you can do it. If I want to have a new yeah, account. Yeah that I put, which is what I do, uh, put my portraits in, I do that, you know? And, but it depends on how you utilize the tool and whether you, you let that uh, just consume all of your time or not, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think there's, you know, I mean, <laughs> I was a latecomer to social media. I joined, I mean, I, I, I joined Facebook in 2017 <laughs> and Instagram even Why? later than that. I know. <laughs> I, I, I then tried to delete this bloody Facebook account. It's impossible. Yeah, it took me ages until I sent a veil threat saying that it's probably an offence not to allow me to delete my account. But anyway, I'm on Facebook for what it's worth. Um, But one of the good things about it is that I I have been able to connect with creatives. Mm. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, you know, I'm trying to think. There's, you know, there's a couple of projects that are in the sort of uh, in, in in the works for a reason that have come about because people have seen what we're doing on Instagram and want to work with us. Amazing. So, you know, so right. it can be a tool yeah. for good, mm-hmm. but I guess what you say is right. It's, it's learning to um, moderate mm. your use of it mm. so that it's not all-encompassing. And it's not even just quantity. It's also, um, like, the, the, the quality, the depth of the things that you are actually trying to put your That's energy okay. in there. Yeah. And I mean, if, if uh, like, uh, for a reason, like, you can get uh, more more kids to, like, uh, like uh, get to know about it because of social media, then that's yeah, great, you yeah, know? 
yeah. and you're going to actually do something with them, mm -hmm. which is probably the only way that you're going to reach them. You know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's like, a, yeah, it's, there's nuance, you know, I find. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think also the, 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 what seems to be a bit of a thread there is that you have autonomy over what you consume and how you consume. And I think, like, to your point about, all right, I'm just kind of, tired of, of Hollywood films and uh, I'm, I'm, going to, <laughs> and I'm going to be really intentional about um, the stuff that I watch mm -hmm. and um, I, th I find it a really interesting topic because um, I'm, I'm a white male and, uh, <laughs> and I have in some way uh, grown up as you said with that image of what uh, what that family looks like or what that yeah. And not to say that my life looked like that, but also um, I could at least relate to the fact that I kind of look like that person. Yeah. And, yeah. And, yeah. Um, I don't know. I, like for me, it was more like how many how many movies have you seen with like divorced mothers that are Christmas movies? You know. Mm. So like for me, maybe that like I didn't. I just came to think about those things much, much, much later. You know, yeah. like I didn't associate because of a completely different thing. So, like, it, that wasn't important to me, you know. Like, it was. I guess it was a different question, right? Yeah. It, was a, it was a question of. Because also, I grew up with a single mother, so it was a question of, you know, there's. there's is that what a family should look like? Yeah, you know, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Which is maybe a similar I mean, question. I mean, you did, you did see single mothers portrayed in movies, but they were always the tragic figure, weren't they? they? Someone needed to rescue them. In Christmas movies, I don't even... I actually can't think of... Probably not in Christmas movies. Yeah. But, you know, but there is this sure, sort of sure. tragic, you know, single mother. There, mm. there was a whole genre of dating movies in the sort of, like, 80s that... You know, and there'd be the single... But yeah, Jerry Maguire, what am I talking about? Jerry Maguire. Yeah, Jerry Maguire. The epitome of that genre. You know, there's the single mother heroine. Mm. You know, but, she, you know, she's got to be... She's got to be pure, so her, her, her husband died. That's mm. a really good way for her to become a single yeah, mother. Yeah, that's the only way that works, yeah, right? that's the only way it works. <laughs> and then, and then <laughs> in comes Jerry Maguire that. to sweep, literally sweep her off yeah. her feet and, you know, spirit her off to this magical... I mean, it's just a yeah, with Bruce. But I with love Bruce, that movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, and with Bruce Springsteen going. I mean, the whole thing is like it's amazing. I love that movie. I'm telling you, it's really interesting to watch movies again. After the other day, I watched um, Pretty Woman. I was, I, actually, when you said the single woman, I mean, she wasn't a mother, I, but I Pretty Woman. Pretty woman, and I was like, fucking. This is where all it comes, where it all comes from. Actually, fucking men, because of men want women to be whores, but not really whores. They want yeah. to marry. They want to marry a sort of like. But pretty woman is their ideal. Mm. They want someone who is going to service them at home like a whore, but not be a whore. Mm. Yeah, because they could take them out and like wear a, dress, wear a hat. Yeah, and, and they look acceptable to polite society, but then when you get them home. They rip your clothes off and give you a blowjob or something. I don't. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I watched that and I was like, but "Oh my god, it's, I now get it." How confusing for men yeah. to have to want that in one person mm. because it doesn't exist mm -hmm. largely. Um, yeah, and, but it's interesting. We were we were talking about like how different different cultures like the 80s, experience like mm. um, sexuality differently, and yeah. like that's like. 
I find that northern countries have got a completely different mm -hmm. like um, way of even talking about those subjects. Like, there's always a taboo. Like in yeah. in like Latin countries, like it's just a top. Like it's I. It's like talking about the weather. Like it, like it's so natural. <laughs> that it's so. Yeah. It's it's uh, uh, how do you say it's um, it's. Uh, Non-threatening. Yeah, like it really is non-threatening. Yeah, so the, so the no. Brits, you know, develop the the double entendre. I mean, that's all that. That's what everything is intimated, hinted at yeah. when it comes to sex. Yeah, yeah, it's never, it's never explicit. It's yeah. always, you know, there's yeah, yeah some but, innuendo. But, yeah, and then yeah, that's why, uh, yeah, they're, they're not that famous for having the for that, the greatest of. Uh, or to be the greatest lovers, you know. <laughs> yeah, that, that is true. Like, there is, there, there, like I think that there's. I'm not like one stereotype to another. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that it's uh, it's a generalization, but there is like some definitely some cultural thing there where yeah, there's the, the 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 taboo doesn't facilitate yeah. the openness to uh, to, the, to, mm. to 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 sex. But I think I think I think the the common theme here that we're exploring about the, the images that you see on social media and other, mm. you know, and social platforms and the images across the decades that have come out from Hollywood. So that mm. they just, they are not reflective of mm. what actually, what, what life is like For generally. Sure. I mean, there are, you know, things around the site, you know, there are good movie makers who, who do portray, um, you know, is it Danny Boyle? I want to say Danny Boyle. Mm, Danny Boyle, like the train spotter? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, was that train spotter? Yeah. But, you know, so yeah. we've got those movie makers who, you know, they're not making the Hollywood blockbusters, but they make good films, good content, which are, you know, reflective of real life. But generally, that's not the case. And is that because the audience, that there isn't the viewing audience for it? Is it do yeah. we want to be... Do we I, want well, to be sold? Do we want to get lost in fantasy? Yeah. I mean, I think there is like it. It comes and goes. It's it's kind of like fashion. Like it, yeah. it so, like comedy gets into fashion, and mm. then like you get these much light harder, light hearted movies. Like during the eighties, and like now, I think we're in a phase of like pretty light hearted stuff. Like everybody's okay, you know. Like all back in the eighties, like. Arnold Schwarzenegger carrying like a big log, like and it's ridiculous, but it was yeah. fun because it was so over the top and like people were not taking it seriously. But then like after that came like a much more everything became very serious. You know all the movies yeah. like the Batman movies be, be stopped being Tim Burton and became like uh, you, know, uh, you know you know the Dark Knight, which is great. It's a great movie, you know, but it's just like the it, the, the the vibe of. Yeah, of the whole thing yeah. changed into something more serious. Right. But 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 the thing was about like you, you didn't go in from Tim Burton to The Dark Knight. No 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 no, no no no. But I, what I'm saying is that going from from that to that, it's still it, there's still an archetypal story though. Mm. I guess like to your question, we talked about this with Star Wars because there was this there's this. I wouldn't say a controversy, but Star Wars has has evolved and changed quite quickly. Yeah. And it's now. There's been some discussion. Well, it's quite frustrating to see that it's not the same Star Wars from some people, 
and then other and then uh, other people are excited, obviously, because mm. you, you start to portray, you start to challenge some of the portrayals, mm. and maybe you know maybe maybe one doesn't do as well. And I guess like what what will tell is the test of time, right? Are these are these are these stories that we go back to? Are they yeah. are they human? Yeah. Mm. Are, are they archetypal? Are we are we are we drawn to something specific about these mm-hmm. stories? And I think it's I think it comes with time. And yeah, yeah. I I don't know the answer to your question, but I feel like we are drawn to some of these we are drawn to some of these narratives. Yeah. For some for some. Yeah, I think you're right. But I guess my point is then there's enough room for both. Sure. I mean, because yeah. I love I love fantasy. I mean, Star Wars. I loved Star Wars. I loved that movie. It actually came at a time when I, I actually lived for five years on a tiny Caribbean island. And when I moved there, there was like, I think, one or two TV channels and they weren't full time. And I had this little portable television and a huge hulking video recorder. Uh, video, yeah. Like a VHS and I brought some videos with me and one of them was Star Wars so I watched the trilogy and I watched so I watched them over and over and again I loved them and mm-hmm. you know and I still do so I think there, there's absolutely room room for those you know sort of mm-hmm. fantasy you know I'd like to be in one <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be John Boyega's mum <laughs> but anyway um, another time perhaps another saga but I think there's room for, for, for other yeah, stories. That's it. I, and they just don't get through those other stories. I think, mm-hmm. you know, the big budget movies are all these sort of glossy, in the main, you know, mm-hmm. um, fantasy. I mean, even the ones that aren't supposed to be fantasy are sure. fantasy. Well, when are, when are, we gonna, when are people going to just stop watching them? You know, because, like, they're not... Maybe, maybe at some point... They're, I mean, I, I don't... I'm not always a huge fan of Hollywood... Yeah, because no. because for me Hollywood films tend to be unless they're really challenging they tend to be really obvious and uh, they're, they're so obvious at yeah. times that you just don't enjoy the you don't yeah. enjoy the watch because yeah. you can kind of see it coming and that yeah. line that line was not real and, yeah yeah and uh, which maybe with European films is a, is, is is a bit different yeah, yeah it is I, 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 like, I don't know what the I don't. I really don't have a traditional filmology experience mm. because, like, like, and I didn't used to watch so many movies until I moved to the UK, and then I moved because I studied here. And when I moved, I just started devouring movies from all over the world. Like I'm talking, like Bollywood mm. to to Japan to Russian movies to European. Yeah. Like so, like I think it's just. People are just so used to the Hollywood stuff yeah. they think that's movies, but it isn't. You know, there's so much yeah. interesting stuff out there, you know. And it's like it's a shame because, like, yeah, like you're saying, it becomes quite formulaic, mm. you know. And it's like, why? Well, yeah, there is yeah, there is space. There isn't the market, maybe. That's I wonder if that's the thing. Mm. I don't know. I think I think sometimes we're um, or not we, but the 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 powers that be underestimate the audience, I think. Mm-hmm. I think they mm-hmm. underestimate their oh, yeah. ability to, um, their imagination, their ability to run with a story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Even actually, their attention spans. I mean, yeah. the podcast, and this is not movies, but podcasts, like, people thought that people wouldn't watch an hour-long conversation. And look, 
Now we have podcasts and like mm-hmm. everybody's crazy about podcasts. So it turns out people are actually a lot smarter and like their attention spans are a lot longer than people have ever imagined, you know? Yeah. And it's like, uh, it's sort of, um, it's like a subversion of the story that we've been told like the whole time. It's yes. so strange, yeah. you know? But I guess that's also kind of been the theme of the discussion, which is like, you know, with the, with the, with the kind of um, the legislation in Portugal and, you know, what are, what are ways that you are, mm. you're flipping the paradigm even just slightly. And, yeah. and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on uh, Horizon and um, what, you, what your hopes are for that. And obviously you're already doing that with, mm. in uh, including including real people, including yeah. non-actors. Yeah, and I would I would definitely like to, that to be part of um, our journey to have um, you know to cast people who aren't you know who aren't trained actors. Um, but I mean, you know, I, what I would like to eventually do. Um, okay, here it is. This is my big plan. <laughs> Did you see that live <laughs> Okay, here's So, um, I really, I, I love theatre. I would like to make films too, mm. but theatre is really why, really why I like a lot. I would like um, a reason to have a, a place uh, in South East London, uh, a theatre space, uh, a community hub, a creative hub, where people who normally go to see West End shows come to Deptford <laughs> and mm. see our shows. That's mm. one. And, and, then, and the people who live around us don't have to, you know, go up into the centre of London to get good theatre. Mm. They can just stay in their ends. And then, and, and then everybody else from Hampstead and wherever can come and see good theatre too yeah. in Deptford. That is all in New Cross. That's, that is my plan. Right. That's exciting. Yeah. It's a big vision. Yeah, yeah it's a big vision. But, you know, I, I think, I, I, you know, whether it, you know, I start it and someone else, is, else finishes it, I think it's doable. Yeah. I think it's doable. I think so. Um, I mean, the fact that you've, you've taken a risk and you've, you've done this thing for 20, 30 years, you've, you've, you're, you're a mother, and to all of a yeah. sudden say, actually, there's this thing that I think is missing, which is really important, which is challenging uh, the way that we experience people and experience um, other types of people. And um, I don't imagine that you doing what you just said is, is that much further. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, it's been a joy. I, um, is, yeah. there, is there anything else it's that you I think I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy. Yeah, me too. I, I really enjoyed you. the conversation. Excellent. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, thank thanks you so for much. Coming. Thanks so much for having us. It's great. Yeah.